love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski here with my co-host Haley Chura, who is prepping for the World Championships in Kona, Hawaii in just a few weeks. And Haley, last week we talked to you, you were in a really good place, very positive and excited about how training's going. So I have to ask, are we still are we still on a high? How's it going? What's life like out in Bozeman? I saw it was a busy week out there with Run the Rut going on too, which is like I think one of my favorite weekends to spectate, spectate sports where you live. So oh, yeah. um, did you catch any of that while you were like, did you go on a long run in the mountains? Cause that sounds like perfect Kona prep to just go up and do like the run the rut course behind them or something. I don't know. What have you been yeah. up to? No, I, I did not go run the rut. <laughs> I, I ran the treadmill. <laughs> I do the, I'm a terrible Montanan in like so many different ways. And um, so the rut mountain run is it's a race series of races up at big sky, which is about an hour from me here in Bozeman. And I have signed up for the VK, the vertical kilometer at least once, like, and it's hard to get into, like, they're hard to get into. I had to like go in February, like stand in a line for like local. Yes. I know. (laughs) I had like a gym and it was like, that was how I entered one year, but it's so bizarre. I think that must've been like, um, 2016, I did that. And I think at that point in my life, I was like, okay, you know, maybe I'm, I can do fun things like this. And then I like had a great 2017 and qualified for Kona. And so I feel like every time I have like signed up for the rut races, I have qualified for Kona. And so I don't race them because I don't want to risk getting hurt, but I'm also terrified of those races. And I don't know, I don't even know if I could complete them. And the VK was a, uh, like, I liked the idea of that one. Cause you just go up the mountain and then you get a ride down because coming down to me sounds so, so terrifying. I mean, I'm sure you've seen some photos of that and it's beyond my technical running skills. I am really good on like a very gradual paved slight uphill or slight downhill, which is why I love the treadmill. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is good to hear. Do you do you want to share your treadmill workout? Is that yeah? Should we just your... like go right into the yeah, your... workout of the week? Hey, okay, I also put this. I want to like set this up with some behind the scenes because I posted a little video, a little reel on um my Instagram page, and I feel like I should like should like give the behind the scenes on how that happened. Um, because I. I actually did like two fairly significant treadmill runs last week. And I, um, this was like, the video is from Sunday because it was like so beautiful out. I mean, it was probably like 70 degrees, probably like 65 at that point, like sunny, not a cloud in the sky. And so I'm the only weirdo at the gym <laughs> like in, running indoors. And so I was like, Hey, I can film myself because I'm not going to get anyone else in the shot. You know that, cause that's like, I do like to respect that at the gym. Um, and so I actually did my workout and then I like, I mean, I don't know if you've ever tried filming yourself at the gym. It's kind of hard. And so I was like trying to do different angles and it's like, um, it was, it was I interesting. Yeah. I haven't tried at the gym, but I have on the treadmill at home even. And I think it's really hard to get the angles like you're thinking of in your mind when you're running on the treadmill. Cause like 
you see some people and it's clear then that they had a helper or a film yes. filmer, right? To get the angle and that, and I have like a tripod and no matter what I try and do with that, it just like never really looks as good. So it's, I mean, it's a very difficult task at hand. Yeah. I, I just doing it myself and I just tried to like, I like set it up on the Stairmaster across the way with like a water bottle holding the phone and um, you know, and then I get back on the treadmill and like put it at, you know, 10.0 miles per hour. And like, <laughs> so did you do this as part of your seconds. warm up or your cool down or cool I mean, down? Okay, I was, okay. okay. I, I will not compromise a workout for content. Um, you know, I love content creation. No, I hate content creation. Who knows? Who knows what I love or hate, but, um, I will not compromise a workout. So I did the workout first and I was in a good mood because it went really well. And so that's why I was like, oh, I'll film myself. And um, and the filming was actually supposed to be for a different project, but then I was like, Hey, maybe I can make a reel out of this. And so I sat there while I was like cooling down or not cooling, like, like, you know, like temperature wise sitting on a mat. Cause again, no one is at the gym and I just made a little reel for myself, but I did add, I had taken a picture on my Thursday run of the treadmill where it said 14 miles. And I added that even though on Saturday, <laughs> on Sunday, I did not run 14 miles. <laughs> so Instagram versus reality folks, I'm part of the problem, but that was just the only photo I had. And I just felt like I needed something like another visual, like as part of the real, like the creative part of me was like, it needs this, even though it's not hundred percent honest. I mean, I did actually run 14 miles on the treadmill on Thursday. So I just only ran like 9.6 on Sunday, but and I fine. didn't take a picture. 9.6 is still impressive. Yes. And I do think it's a good lesson. I am definitely someone who does that too. I pick and pull from like all sorts of photos that I find in my phone when I'm trying to do a reel or something like that. So it is like a very good uh, display of how it's not always real life. What, what you see up there. <laughs> I know I, like I said, I'm part of the problem. And so everyone watching at home, you know, it's, it's not always exactly as you see. Um, I was a lot sweatier on Thursday, but I'll, I'll share the Thursday run because I feel like that one is a little more Iron Man indicative. Um, so actually I, a Thursday was beautiful too. And so I, I like bike commute to the gym with my fan and a giant backpack. And I'm like, no one is going to be here because it's so nice out. And I do try to time things. Like I either try to hit the like pre-lunch time slot or the post-lunch time slot so that, you know, there's just fewer people. And, um, I don't feel as bad about breaking rules like 45 minute maximum on the treadmill. It's just like a suggestion, <laughs> but I got there, Alyssa, and someone was on my treadmill <laughs> and there's only, it's a small gym and there's only one treadmill that my fan reaches. And so like reaches the outlet without like creating a fire hazard. And I was like, how is this happening? And the guy wasn't even there. It was like just his phone and keys. And I was like, can I just like throw him on the ground? And I was like, no, don't do that. And so I like left all my stuff there and I actually did my warm up outside. So I did oh, four okay. miles warm up outside, which I think was a blessing because it was so beautiful. And then I got a little outdoor action, you know, got some vitamin D. And then I went to the treadmill and I ran 14 miles on the treadmill. And um, so it was 18 miles total, but my workout, I can share this. I was really proud of it. I did eight by one mile at... 645 pace, which I think okay. is like 8.9 miles per hour with, um, it was like about 200 meter recovery. I think I did 0.13 oh. because of, of, uh, the math being a little easier, but this was like a fun one on the treadmill because you are kind of always doing a little bit of math. Mm -hmm. Um, and like an, like easy math, 
that your brain can still handle. And then I did, um, uh, and I do my recovery, like 10 minute mile pace, right? 6.0. So like very, quite easy. And then I did five by half a mile at, I think 605 pace. Um, so like 9.9, which I was very nervous about those. Cause I'm doing those like late in the run, just kind of forcing some speed. And I think the idea is also to like, kind of, that's what, um, the Ironman marathon feels like I am never running six or five pace during an Ironman, but it feels like it like eight minute pace feels like six Oh five pace when you're coming back down the queen K and I just needed to suffer a little bit, but actually I felt so good. There was zero suffering, zero suffering. I was like, I felt good on my form. I was it since I was on the treadmill, I had like four bottles. I had some amino co perform, which mm. I do love that. Um, you know, I always start with that. And then I also have like some Coke and ginger ale, like fun, fun drinks, but, um, and then some gels. And so I was practicing that, but I, and I had my fan that was not Kona esque. The temperature was not Kona esque, but you know, I'm just going for, uh, for the training the stimulus factor. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've done such, you know, variations of this kind of workout in the past outside. I've, I've never actually done it on the treadmill, but, um, and it is usually a suffer fest because I go into it fatigued and it's a lot of running and, um, and kind of forcing faster paces. I don't even think 645 is necessarily my, my Kona marathon pace, but, um, but I, I mean, I wish it was, but <laughs> probably not. Um, and, but it's just forcing kind of some slightly faster paces, which works well for me. I don't think everyone should always run faster than marathon goal pace. Um, but it's also how I'm planning to run where it's like you run a lot faster in between than walk day stations because <laughs> I need to cool off. And so it is taking into account that I'm running this on perfectly flat ground um, and in good temperatures compared to in Kona where it's rolling hills, very, very hot. And I will have swam and biked before. So I know that is not, the, it's not exact one-to-one -one, um, replica, but I felt really, really good about how controlled the effort was. And I think it gives me a good indication that my fitness is in a good spot. So pretty thrilled about that. So, uh, I don't know if I would encourage everyone to do, uh, do the exact workout exactly like that. I don't <laughs> talk to your coach, do it in the context of your own training, but the treadmill can be a great tool. Also by run. the time. Yeah. And by the time you're listening to this, keep in mind that these are workouts Taylor's doing a week prior or 10 yeah. days prior even. Right. So yeah, please don't panic train this weekend and try and throw that in just for the sake of it, but maybe, yeah, talk to your coach about it. Maybe you can work it into a future Ironman build or something like that. Yeah. Just like that's what the treadmill is good for. I think is like pacing and you have all your nutrition and stuff there. And especially if you live in a place where you can't necessarily get to a track and you can't necessarily get to even like uh, a stretch of road that's safe and you're able to kind of just like zone out and like, uh, just get into a groove. Um, that's where I do think the treadmill can be really, really useful and you can't even use it for a longer period of time. I know that you've done that too. And you have a treadmill at home and you're able to do some longer runs on the treadmill. And I just think it's a safe, um, option sometimes, and you can blast your music and listen to yeah. whatever playlist. And I want. love what you said about bringing ginger ale and Coke and all that. I mean, having a bottle of Red Bull was always a staple of mine. Like and I always tell people bring snacks, like snacks, all the snacks, like bribe yourself. You have Coke out on the course in Kona, right? Bring the Coke, mm -hmm. right? Like things like that. I think for whatever reason, sometimes people think that's cheating through a workout. And it's like, no, what? like do that stuff. Yeah. I have definitely gotten that response. And I'm like, what did you have to fuel? Like use all this, especially this big into an Ironman build. 
where your body just needs those sugars, right? It needs those quick carbs, all that kind of stuff. And it will use them quickly and help. So whatever it takes sometimes to get through those workouts is not cheating everyone. I know. I think practicing nutrition is very important. And I encourage my athletes a lot, even the ones who live in beautiful places like me with beautiful trails. I'm like, sometimes when you are trying to do race specific training, like there's a time to go do the mental, like pleasure of running a great trail. But I think there's also a time to run out and backs, run loops so that you can practice having that aid station and no, it is not the most exciting, but it's, it works. Totally. Totally. Well, the most excitement I had on my end this week, Haley was actually kind of exciting. So one morning Matt took Max out for a run and they came back and they were both very excited and they were like, guess what we saw this morning. So Haley, guess what wildlife they saw just like they turned out of our driveway just down the street. A bear. Nope. Um, a raccoon. <laughs> no, a moose. So a moose. moose. Yes. I didn't even and... know you had moose in in Vermont. Yeah, yeah, we do. So it's not like super common to see them here. Like I've seen, well, I have seen one actually in town where we used to live, which was very weird. But um, typically I've seen them like not around here, not definitely not in my backyard. So they it had like stumbled out of the woods and then was just like on the shoulder like looking at them he said probably like 50 yards away and then a truck came on the road and like scared the moose and the moose went back up into the woods so I was like oh dang like I'm never gonna see the moose like this my life is sad I can't walk right now I can't go look for the moose right but then my mom took me to PT and we were driving down the road Haley and guess what we saw a raccoon. No, I'm just kidding. The moose. <laughs> yeah, the moose was still around. He was like in a different place in town, but I guess he had like gone up in the woods, probably honestly through our backyard and then had dropped down like later in the, like on the road. And he was in this field just off the side of the road. And so I got to see the moose. I was so happy. He was big and he had really big antlers. So that yeah, was that's like, kind exciting. of scary. I think I would rather see the moose from the car than yeah. um, while walking the dog. <laughs> Yeah. And so um, for all of our listeners who are in rural places like us, it's a good reminder. It's a hunting season here has just started. Mm. Do you guys, you guys have to watch out for that too, right? Yeah. Yeah. But again, I run those. Oh yeah. But you're on the (laughs) (laughs) See, this is another benefit (laughs) of the treadmill. I mean, I still wear bright colors just in case, (laughs) but yeah, that is a good reminder. Um, I also saw like, I think I saw on Instagram, a little story that your knee was like bending. So you just had surgery on your knee. So it seems like the rehab is going well. Yeah. So I can bend it up to 90 degrees for the first Whoa, six weeks. So that's a um, long way. 90 degrees. Yeah. I mean, no, I can't do that yet, but oh, I'm, I'm like, wait, be, what is I'm beyond like, 90? I'm like, well, <laughs> so you can 90 degrees is just stuff. like 90 is just like a normal, like, I think if you're like on your back and you're doing a bridge, like your legs are kind of at night. I don't know. It's not, it's not a lot, but it is, it's good. You could, I can like sit in a chair and like now sit without my leg having to be straight when I'm sitting, which is nice. Um, so that's, yeah, what I'm working on these weeks is just trying to get to that 90 degrees. And then I have to like not go further than that. The brace actually has this device so that like, I can't bend it. It like stops me at 90 degrees when I try and bend. So that's helpful. Um, but yeah, I am allowed to be bending my leg. Um, and I can do some leg lifts, which is exciting. I can do like upper body and core, which I've been working on a little bit. It's just, it's, it's hard. Cause like we talked about going to the gym the last time and 
I quickly realized going to the gym that it's really, you need to move a lot of things around to make it so that you can like do the exercises and not put weight on the leg. Right. So I can't be on crutches and like even get a dumbbell and like take it to a weight bench, you know, you need an so assistant. I need well, an assistant. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. definitely do need an assistant. So, I mean, luckily I do have most of what I need here in my like home gym area. So I've been working with Matt to make it like accessible for me because I was like, I can't even, even I draw the line at like asking random strangers to like move my weights around the gym. So, um, yeah. that was that, but <laughs> they did. Oh my gosh, Haley. So, I mean, my PT has been trying to like think of ways to get me cardio because obviously that's like something I would love to be doing somehow, you know? And so last week she put me on the arm bike. Have you ever done an arm bike, Haley? No, but I'm thinking like ski erg. Yeah. You just, you would think in a place like this, they'd be more accessible, but I have, they don't, we don't have them in the gyms. It's like, I'd have to be in the Dartmouth team, you know? So, wow. Cause they are like all like, they're always in use around here. Really? Um, yeah. Like, I mean, I, they, just, I am a gym rat. I love the gym, but I'm always yeah. in everyone's way at the gym except for the, when it's beautiful weather, yeah. but, um, <laughs> but that, yeah, I'm trying to think of machines I could see you using, but the arm bike sounds good. Yeah. It's, um, it's an interesting, uh, workout. I mean, it's like mind numbing, but I'm trying to embrace it. But do you think like the first time you ever get on a trainer, I don't remember that, like on a bike mm. on the bike, like when you don't really know what you're doing, I feel like it feels like that. And then yeah. the more you do it and the better you get, and you're able to like do workouts. Um, I think aqua jogging feels kind of similar. Like when you first yeah. get in you're like, what am I doing? And then it is when you get like proficient enough at it that you can do workouts, it becomes much more entertaining. So maybe I that you so. just need to give it some time. Today, I'm going to try and bring like headphones or something too, because you definitely need headphones. Why would yeah. you do it without headphones? What? Well, I didn't know she was going to put it me on it last time. Oh. And so, yeah, it's like, uh, I don't know. We'll try it with headphones. We'll try it with a little bit more engagement and see, but so far I'm not a big fan of the arm bike. So, but hopefully I get cleared to swim at some point here and then I can, that'll feel a lot better. I think. Yeah. That'll Cause be if nice. you could just bend your leg for making like flip turns more and then you just push off with the other one. Yeah. Um, I feel like you can, you could, the swimming would feel really good. Yeah, no, I'm definitely looking forward to that. So we will see baby steps. It's only been not even two weeks. So oh, I'm nice. getting there. Yeah. That's you've had great progress already. So I'm excited. Things are going well for you. And I hear we have a mailbag that we may have neglected and we are getting back to it. Um, this is Aaron trail. We apologize. Thank you so much for writing in. And we saw, are so sorry that we missed it. If this happens to anyone else, like we're, uh, we, I say we, Alyssa is pretty good at keeping track of this. I'm not at all good, but Alyssa is pretty good at keeping track of this. Um, but occasionally, you know, think we, things slip. And so feel free to send it again. Um, we are sorry, but Aaron, we're a little late on this, but better late than never. Yes. Yes. So I actually just closed out of it because I was like panicked. I saw something else come in and I was like, oh my gosh, we don't want to miss one. I have it. Do you want me to write it? Okay. Okay. So first of all, Aaron, congratulations on your first world championships that you raced in Finland this year. Um, we, yes, like Haley said, we intended to get this to you before you raced, but hopefully whatever you did worked out great. She did great. I know she finished. Okay. She did great. That is like the I feel like common theme to all of our advice is just to like not stress too much, relax, like pick a path and then like own whatever you do with your, with your decision. So 
that goes for this question, which is about jet lag and travel, which will be applicable to a lot of our people going to Kona. Kona's, I know from the East Coast, it's like as the same as basically going to, well, it is the same as going to Europe with the time changes Six and stuff. hours. And it's, right? yep. And it's tricky um, because you have to manage flights and jet lag and racing and all of that. So Erin's question is that is about this. So she says she has traveled to Europe before and remembers the jet lag for the first few days being soul crushing. And she is going to be, she headed to Finland by leaving the US on a Tuesday evening with a direct flight to Helsinki arriving Wednesday afternoon. Finland is nine hours ahead of her home time zone and the race is Saturday. So she's getting in Wednesday afternoon, race is Saturday and is propelled into a universe nine hours ahead of what her body thinks it is. So she wants tips. Should she sleep on the plane? Should she start adjusting sleep times before she departs, stumble around like a zombie for two days and hope for the best? What do we do for the races? So, well, we should caveat, okay, going East, like mm -hmm. Aaron did, um, to Europe is a lot more difficult than going West to Hawaii. So the, the advice is different for each mm -hmm. direction. So let's, yeah, let's start with going East, Alyssa. Like, what do you do? Yeah, that's true. So I, I guess I had a similar, it was six hours ahead for me when I got to Sweden. Um, and I was similar. I left on a Tuesday evening arriving in Wednesday. I did have more days before, um, I was racing, but typically I've definitely done that Tuesday to Wednesday for a weekend race. Um, and my advice is I do, I sleep on the plane. Um, I try and get to sleep like as quickly as I can, because if I have a 9 PM flight, I'm usually like in bed at nine or 10 anyway in my real life. So I try and do that. And then when I wake up, I generally try to be like, okay, what time is it in, um, like the place I'm in. Right. So I'm not generally able to get like a full seven or eight hours on the flight. So I just let myself sleep. When I wake up, I try and get myself up. And then like from there, stay up as much as I can through bedtime in my destination. So when I arrive there, you're typically tired. Cause again, you didn't get a lot of sleep on the plane, blah, blah, blah. But I try really my rule of thumb is just to not nap that first day. Like push through it, caffeine, if you need to, um, that sort of thing. And just get yourself to an appropriate bedtime and try and like get to sleep. Um, I know generally that first night I am so tired because I pushed through that that first night of sleep isn't hard. It's that second night for me that like, sometimes I really feel it as being difficult. So I think just trying to be mindful of that. And I just generally stay away from naps when I'm trying to adjust to time, because I think that just doesn't help when you like really need to go to bed. I always bring my like nighttime things that I'm drinking, um, like the pillar performance, like magnesium. If you have been in a habit of drinking that before bed or like any, if, even if you just have tea before bed, anything like that, try and do and like plan for over there because I do find that second night to be the hardest. Um, there will definitely be times when you feel like a zombie, but it comes and goes. Like I find like you'll have a really hard hour and then you get a second win and you can usually like push through the afternoon. I try just really not to give in to that, to that, like feeling, get up, get moving, try and plan your workouts maybe for that time or something like that. But I don't know. Is that similar to what you do, Haley? Yeah, that sounds very similar. And as far as flying, I, I agree. I wear an eye mask, like an eye shade and noise canceling headphones. And then also sometimes like a hoodie <laughs> or like a hat. And then, you know, I just like cocoon myself and um, you know, and just try to really 
sleep as much as possible, like block out all the noise and all the light and just like get myself to sleep and even just lay there resting there. I do think I am someone who can get away with, um, a little less sleep, at least for a night or two and like still function. Okay. And so I just say, if you are someone, you know, that like you always, you know, you don't do well with jet lag or you do need more sleep you probably do need to account for that. So make your travel, you know, a little bit earlier and, um, you know, and try to, to do that. Or maybe you understand that you might be compromising your performance a little bit. And so you're just like, okay, I'm going to do the best given my physiology and my situation in life. And it's still better than not being there. So, um, things you can do, but also definitely, uh, uh, you it's part of the experience. Um, but what about going West? So oh. for people going to Hawaii, what do you think about that? It's tough. So again, I'm trying to think, I think I leave at like a, not like a really early, like, well, not really early, but 9am flight. And I think it's one of those things where I get to Kona, like 7pm or something like that. And so it's an all day travel experience. And then you get there and it's, you feel tired. Like you feel like it's later, but it's not that late yet. Right. So I think honestly, I try and just generally do the same thing. Like I try and get to sleep around a bedtime in that destination. Right. And like push through to that point. Um, and just hope and pray. See, I <laughs> love going West because I try to stay on my home time zone oh. and go to bed like really early. So I, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's four hours. It's only four hours difference from mountain time okay. to Hawaii. So, I mean, it's like, okay, I'm probably not going to bed at 6 PM, but like six or 7 PM. Yeah. I'm going to bed at six. And then I wake up very early and I think it makes race morning a little bit easier. And so, and that's also a reason I I'm probably, I'm not going to Kona like excessively early. Well, the main reason is financial, but Kona's <laughs> expensive place. Um, and it's, and so, but I tell myself a perk of that is that I can go, you know, I'm, I'm going to fly on Monday before the Saturday race. So well, it's plenty early, but, um, but it will be, you know, one of the perks is that I can stay sort of on mountain time and, you know, it's easy to wake up on race morning. That's, oh, that's, that's what I tell point. myself. Yeah, that is a good point. <laughs> and even for training in the days, the week before, um, I mean, it's not like I have any really excessively long training sessions, but I do find it's nice. It, it doesn't get light out. It gets light out like, you know, a little before, I guess, whenever the race starts six, six 30 ish, um, AM, but I like to be out, you know, riding fairly early. I guess you had to watch the like sun angle, but there's just a little less traffic then. Mm -hmm. And, um, not being in the quieter. heat of the day is good too, well, too. for sure. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I try to use the jet lag to my advantage, um, for when I go West. So I do feel like, yeah, it works out pretty well going to Hawaii. Yeah. I like that. And I know there are some people who go out there. I think the first couple of years I did, I was like working a little bit in the first days that I was there. And so I was up, I was just staying on East coast time to get up and like do a half day of work basically before the day started, which, um, you know, if that's, if that's what you're doing, then just, yeah, stay on it. And then race morning, you're going to feel spunky come race. Start. It also gets dark early in Hawaii. I think, cause you're mm -hmm. so close to the equator. And so it is, it's dark at like six, six thirty, And so I think that that also helps because it isn't that hard to go to bed at like 7 p.m. True. Very true. Um, but great question, Aaron. Sorry we missed it in the first round, but hopefully this helps you for the future. And everyone can send in mailbag questions to ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. And we do want to give 
a shout out to our editor, Lydia, who's racing uh, this weekend in Pontevedra. Did I say this correctly? Pontevedra? Yeah, in Spain. Yeah. In Spain. Yeah. So Lydia is racing the under 23 worlds out there. I believe this race is going to be Sunday, the 24th, everyone, 9, oh, 5.50 a.m. Mountain time. So yes. that's 7.50 for, for Eastern time. <laughs> and very reasonable time Alyssa. very good time if you don't have a uh triathlon like view what is it triathlon tv triathlon live triathlon yeah. live um membership you can for 7.99 pre-order the viewing for the races on the 24th which will be exciting you can watch lydia in the under 23s um and then Haley, after lydia races we have the wcs grand like grand finals right so there are, of course, it's going to be a big one. And we have seven American women racing in this race. This is insane. Right. Including Erica Ackerland, who is a former feisty intern. So, you know, we love the shout outs to our, the people who've been in the feisty sphere. Um, but this is also for the U S athletes. Olympic qualification is on the line. So Taylor Nib already qualified. Taylor Nib is not racing in Ponte Vedra, but seven other women are going. I think they have to I should know the quality. Finish on the podium. They have to finish, finish on, the on the podium. podium. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The top three, and then they get a slot to to Paris Olympics. So, and those seven women: Taylor Spivey, Erica, who I mentioned, Gwen Jorgensen, 2016 World Champ or Olympic Champion, Katie Zafiris, mm -hmm. 2020 Bronze Medalist, Summer Rapaport, Kristen Casper, Gina Serino, who was on the Iron Woman podcast earlier this year. I mean, it's gonna be so fun to watch. And that's it. 9:14 Mountain Time. 1114 for you. So mm -hmm. you could just spend your morning watching triathlon on Sunday, watching triathlon and bending my knee to 90 degrees. It's going to be a great Sunday, <laughs> Yeah, but best of luck. And yeah, thank you, Lydia, for all your good work. We'll be cheering you on this weekend. And Haley, we have a great interview for everyone today. We're continuing our road to Kona, watch the women, um, interviews with Jody Robertson today. So Jody Robertson punched her ticket to Kona back in June at Ironman Coeur d'Alene. We talk to her about that day. We ask about her recent coaching change. We take a look back at her career and how she balances the lifestyle triathlon with her day job as a music teacher. Jody has been racing as a pro for about seven years and has had four big four trips to the Big Island. So she has a lot of wisdom to share, and we will hear from Jody next after a word from our sponsors. Hi, Jody. Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. Awesome. Thanks for having me. So we are talking to you here just about a week after Ironman Lake Placid, where it looks like you stopped your race, just maybe coming around that first loop of the run or so. So first I do want to ask, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? Can you tell us a little bit what happened on that day? Yeah, no, I'm doing well for sure. Um, it's always a tough pill to swallow. <laughs> so um, you never really go. I probably need to work better on like my catastrophe planning, you know, <laughs> I think that's one thing I learned, uh, for sure. But, uh, yeah, no, I just like, I lost some of my front end hydration unit during the race. And then, uh, yeah, that was basically like my nutrition plan. Cause I can't really handle the stuff on course. So I had a long way to go <laughs> without much nutrition. Um, I did the best I could, but ultimately, uh, yeah, it didn't pan out for me that day. Okay. So that was, it was just like you had gone several hours without good calories. And so it was just like, oh goodness, this is like not happening. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I, I 
Yeah, it was just, I basically, I mean, I had just, or it was probably at like mile 50 where I lost my friend and stuff. So uh, yeah, it was still another good plug along for another 60 miles or so. And I mean, I had some stuff that just not enough to really like sustain that. And I felt pretty awful just by the end of the bike. So, I mean, I tried running, I think I ran like eight miles and, uh, but it was, I, it was pretty I saw the replay with the friend hydration unit. And I think, yeah. I mean, our listeners, if anyone says that, like, you're not allowed to just like abandon equipment like that would, yeah. I think that can result in a DQ. And so it looked like you like shoved it down your front, but it wasn't quite like the arrow bottle down the front that we people do on purpose. Yeah. And then you can like toss it at an aid station. I mean, the, it's just like logistically, like getting yourself like to that aid station, you know, with like some extra stuff you weren't planning on carrying with you. Do you also have <laughs> your bike computer on there too? So like you yes. can see your bike computer. Yeah. I put it in my pocket. So, um, I okay. definitely made sure that like, when I like got to a place that like where I could like toss that bottle and like at an aid station, I, then I didn't really like care about it anymore. I just like, I, when I put my computer in my pocket, so, um, yeah. Okay. I but, think you so got, you got within a couple of minutes of the front of the race still. I mean, you were up there, you were having yeah. a good race. Did you, so you did end up just throwing away your, do you like, what are you going to do now? Are they going to send you a new one? Uh, yes, faster. you are has been very great. They have sent me, they have already sent me a new one okay, and we good. have already re-put the mount on and uh, hopefully more secure than previously and some lessons learned there. Um, Loctite is your friend. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and Jody, about a month before um Lake Placid, you you won Ironman Cordelaine. You were there with Haley. Yeah. Um, this was your second full distance Ironman win. So congratulations on that. And did you go into the race in Cordelaine with your eye on the win and a ticket to Kona? Uh I wouldn't say the win, but definitely a spot to Kona was like on the radar. That was for sure a goal. Um, there were three spots there. So yeah, that was definitely a goal. And I don't think the win was like the plan, but I'll take it. <laughs> yeah. And can you tell us a little bit about the day? Cause it, your front hydration system, I think stayed intact there. And yeah. so the day unfolded a little bit better for you. <laughs> it did. Yeah. Um, Alyssa actually like, um, so uh, Coeur d'Alene was the first time that I carried all my stuff with me, like nutrition wise. I mean, so that's like something that was totally new to me. I'd always used Encore stuff and hmm. I was able to handle it like a while ago, but I guess as you get older, maybe you don't <laughs> as well. So I found that I've just like, as of late, I've had trouble, um, managing that. So yeah. And Coeur was like the first time that I did carry all my stuff with me and it worked out perfect there. So what do you use? I mean, if you don't yeah. mind sharing your secrets. Yeah, no, I purchased with my own money. <laughs> I use fast food. Um, so it's a, it's kind of a new product out on the market. It's kind of, um, I think it's, I don't, I've never really used the Morton stuff that much, but I think it's like similar in that like gel kind of like consistency, you know? Mm. Um, Cause I know that that's a different consistency than the others, but yeah, I've been using that. I, so I basically, uh, yeah, carry the, their hydrator that they have um, in like concentrated bottles, a couple, just a couple of concentrated bottles and then dilute it in that front end hydration. And then, yeah. Uh, yeah and then carry their gels and blocks and stuff too, but and I know that, uh, behind the scenes in Coeur d'Alene, like that wasn't initially your plan to do that race. And I believe there was a passport issue with, uh, not being able to get into Canada for Tremblant 70.3. So you made a pivot to go to Coeur d'Alene. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Cause I've, I think 
passport issues seem to be common these days. Yeah, I know. I didn't realize. I mean, I sent it like months and months before, like out to uh, when I knew I was going to do Trump Montremont 70.3. I had to renew it. And uh, yeah, I sent out for the renewal. I paid like the expedited, you know, the whole spiel or whatever that everyone goes through, the many phone calls and whatnot. But uh, yeah. Do you I call did. your congressperson? Because I've heard. Uh, <laughs> I didn't, but everybody tells me that I should have. And I probably should have. But by the time I like made a decision, I was just like over it and I didn't want to make any more phone calls. (laughs) So, um, yeah, so I, once I wasn't getting my passport, um, and the passport people were pretty much like, "Mm, sorry, I (laughs) decided I just sent a message to my coach and was like, well, I hope you have a great backup plan because like, I don't know what to do now, (laughs) you know? And, uh, he was like, why don't you email Ironman and see if you can uh, get in to Coeur d'Alene? Like, and I was like, oh, okay, that sounds good. <laughs> I'll try it. And fortunately, Ironman was switched my entry over because it was like a same day race. Um, so yeah. They were and very- how about the training? I mean, because training for, I mean, Coeur d'Alene and Tremblant are kind of similar courses, but the distance is obviously twice as much. Were you like mentally and physically prepared? I mean, obviously it turned out well, but like going and like doing an Ironman when you've been planning on a half is a big pivot. Yeah. I mean, we had been planning on doing late classes. So that was the goal. So I wouldn't say that I was like totally out of the loop with like, there was definitely some Ironman stuff like interspersed in throughout my training. It wasn't like the key focal point, but at the moment in my training, but there was enough of it there that I wasn't hugely concerned. And, uh, also I had raced Ironman Texas earlier in the year. So I felt like I had a really good foundation. Um, and I like the distance. I like the Ironman distance. So it doesn't, I don't know, maybe it takes away some of, I mean, it's still always daunting, right? A bit, <laughs> but yeah. So I, I think I was more excited than afraid of it per se. And I think that this was your first time at Coeur d'Alene for either, either yeah. race that they've had there. So did you like the venue and the course? Oh yeah. I, that was, I think it was one of my favorite races out there for sure. I it's, it was a great venue. The town was fabulous. The people, I mean, it was just such a welcoming community. It felt like you were doing a race in your backyard and yet you were like at an Ironman still. So I think that was, that was the coolest part for me. One of my favorites as well. But as you mentioned, you, you raced Texas earlier this year, and that's also, uh, where you won before it goes back in 2017 when it was the North American championship. Um, I mean, that's six years ago, if you can believe it. And so quite a a bit of time between, um, Ironman wins. Can you talk about maybe how your approach has changed between those two wins? Yeah, I think during that time frame, I, I feel like I got a, like maybe when I first started the sport, cause it, I only started racing in 2016, um, triathlon 2016. So I feel like I was pretty new still in 2017. And uh, I was just like out there, just like having a good time, you know? (laughs) And, uh, and I feel like I kind of got away from that a bit over like in further down the road, like 2018, 19. And it was just, it became a little bit more like overwhelming. And I wasn't as, I wasn't, as immersed in the process, shall we say. So I, it definitely took a bit for me to get back to like really embracing and enjoying that process. And I think that Portaline was just evidence of me finally like being at that point again. And what, what changed that? Like, what was it, you know, uh, 
just like, did you, how, how did you like decide to change your approach? Cause that's also very scary to make a big change like that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think it, it definitely took a while. Like I, I think it took changing different like approaches to workouts and I kind of like did sort of my own thing for a little while too, you know, where I kind of just was, I don't know, <laughs> just like finding the joy and like loving it again, the, like the day to day. Cause and like, I started working with like the youth triathlon kids that was during COVID actually during 2020. So I think that was a great, that was a great turning point for me. There was one. I just like saw these kids like out there every day, loving it, you know, and having fun. So it kind of brought that sport, the joy of the sport back to me. I also went and did some like local races in like 2021, 2022. I just like had fun with the people that were also having fun doing it. Um, and yeah, and then I feel like I finally got back into like the grind of like really putting the work in and enjoying the work and the fun simultaneously. Does that kind of make sense? Like, I feel like you can have a good time, but I got the focus of the work back in as well. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah. And Jody, I think in the early, like half of your career, I'm, I'm guessing, I think you were with QT2 systems. And then I think um, I've seen recently that you are being coached by David Tilbury Davis. So did that coaching change, like have anything to kind of do with like a renewed sense of a purpose in the sport or, or how did that come about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I, I worked with QT. I mean, I worked with Jesse Kropenlecki for the whole beginning of my career. Um, so yeah, like, and then I worked with Siri Lindley in 2019 for one year. Uh, it was a good break that Jesse and I needed. And then I actually went back and worked with Jesse again. And yeah, I think, um, I think we had both just kind of like learned enough from the coaching relationship and it was just time for us to like part ways, you know, like nothing, nothing bad or like negative really. Um, and then I, after like having a bad day in Ironman, Texas earlier this year, I think just sent home the fact that I like needed to change things up. I needed to like freshen things up if I was really going to like make progress again. And, uh, that's when I started working with, um, David actually was after Ironman, Texas earlier this year. So yeah, it was less than great. two months, less than two months before Coeur Lane. Yeah. Yeah. The training has been totally different though. I would say for sure. Um, and, but like enjoyable, it's just kind of like reignited, like me wanting to like get out each day and work hard and, and just embrace that process. Right. And yeah, you see, you see, I've seen results from it for sure. Just in the day to day. And you work full-time as a music teacher. So you, you do have a summer vacation, but yeah. how does your, I mean, you race Texas, which would be during the school year. And then you, you know, usually race during the uh, summer. And then I guess Kona is also during the school year. So how do you kind of work that, uh, you know, just make the most of your summer, but then also still race during the school year? Yeah. I mean, racing during the school year is like a little bit tricky always, you know, I don't race and I I don't race a ton and that's part of the reason, you know, I have to like be a little bit picky about like where I'm going, when I'm going and it has to be like in a time zone that I can get to. Right. Which is one reason I've always raced Texas because it's in a good time zone. It normally falls around like the April break. So there's like a couple like freebie days in there, you know, <laughs> that like you don't have to worry about like taking off or things like that. So, um, and then, yeah, I, I do a lot with the school. Like we do, um, before Kona last year, because I raced in Kona last year as well. So before that race, we 
played like bingo with the whole school and we like just did like education about like what triathlon was and like what I was doing and then we did um like a google meet while I was out in Kona and like showed them like all my gear and stuff and like where I was racing that sort of thing and then post-race we did like goal setting sessions so with like different grade levels and yeah so it's been like fun to share like my process with them too a lot more than just music yeah uh uh-huh yeah (laughs) And on the music side of things, I'm curious, do you incorporate music into your training or like pre-race or anything like that? Uh, no, I really don't. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> yeah. So do you, no, do you play what or I'm assuming you play like instruments? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I teach band. I teach like third through fifth grade band and uh, flute's my primary instrument. I got a performance degree playing flute and that sort of spiel. And then, uh, yeah, now I can play like everything sort of, you know, I mean, a, a pretty good elementary level. <laughs> Could you ever, like, would you ever consider like playing the national anthem before a race and then doing the race? No, <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Awesome. I don't think I can handle both of those things in one morning. That's a lot. You know, I just feel like that would be so cool. What, okay. What about if you weren't racing? Have you ever done the national anthem at a race that you weren't Uh, racing at? No, I mean, like, I don't really sing very well. So, well, no, I mean, because you played on the flute. I feel like that would be nice. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I got to play it, but no, I've never, no, most of the time. I'm not asking you to sing. I just want to hear it on the flute. I mean, I think that would be really cool. Yeah, I'll play one day when I'm not racing for sure. I could jump on that bandwagon. <laughs> okay. Well, going back to Kona, um, I think this is your fourth trip. Do we have that right to the Big Island for the World Championships? Or fourth as a pro? Um, is that right? Fifth. fifth. Okay. okay um. Wait. <laughs> I gotta think. Wait. Yeah. It's I know. Like, it's hard. Yeah. Because also, it's like if you have St. George in there, you're like, does that count? <laughs> yeah. No, no, I didn't go to St. George. Um, but yeah, my fifth one, fifth time to Kona this year. <laughs> Okay. So, um, are there things that you look forward to since you have been there before, you know, just, um, you know, any in training or in the race? Oh, I mean, it's just a special place, right. When you've been there, um, so many times, it's just fun to go back to that course and, uh, just see what you can get out of yourself out there. It's always a challenging day and there's so many unexpected things that happen on that day. So I think I'm just excited for the opportunity. I've, I have not nailed it there. So <laughs> it would be fun to come away with a good day there. You might say you haven't nailed it, but you have had some really solid results. I think you've been 20th twice. You've been 18th there. Um, what do you think it would take for you to break into the top 15 there? Oh, yeah, I know that would be awesome. I would dig that. <laughs> um, I think just like being consistent throughout the day, like I feel like my swimming's come along, but um, hopefully like have just having a really good swim and then being able to like back that up with like a solid bike and run for me. I, I feel like the swim is what it is. I'm going to put in all the work I possibly can, but I will not be out of the water with Haley. So <laughs> um, yeah, I, think, I need the lead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like really being able to bike and run to like what I think my potential is. And I think I could probably hopefully crack up there a little bit higher, <laughs> a few spots more, <laughs> three more spots. <laughs> yeah. Get that payday. Um, you did race last year when it was mostly women, we had our own day. Uh, like, did you notice a change in the dynamics, uh, with, you know, that type of race? What did you think of it? 
Yeah. I mean, the other three times that I had raced there were all when we had age group men on the same day as us. And I being like out of the water later, uh, I definitely noticed a difference on the day, like, especially on the bike, like you, there was no like interference with like age group male pros or anything so, or not age pros, just age group males, um, out there. So that was really, um, nice <laughs> last year. So I'm looking forward to that again, for sure. And what about, you know, you talk a lot about consistency kind of being the key to having a good day. And when I was looking through your results in your career, I was like, consistency came to mind. You almost like are like a human metronome with some of your performances and like the times that you're able to just clip off time after like race after race, time after time. So what do you think it has been your secret to like consistent high performance? Uh, I think, I mean, I definitely don't have like a huge gear range, you know? <laughs> so I think going steady is super key. And I think also too, like when you're are back out of the water a little bit, it's a lot easier to have a consistent, like a consistent day because you're kind of just like doing your own thing out there. So I think that probably plays into like the results where some of the women that are coming out up further, there's a lot more like dynamics going on with like, um, racing other people, you know, and getting involved with that sort of thing. But sometimes I'm just out there like soloing my day. So, <laughs> and you have a, your background in sport is in, uh, running, I believe, and distance running in particular, you qualified for the U S Olympic marathon trials before it was a cool thing for triathletes to do, um, <laughs> back in 2012, 2016, I think in 2015 at like, uh, us like nationals or like a national championship for the marathon, you finished fourth. I mean, so you're yeah. very, very good elite runner. Can you tell us a little bit about that, you know, background in marathon running? Yeah, I, that's the distance I always loved in the marathon. I feel like everyone thinks I did like tons of them, but I actually only raced four marathons. Wow. <laughs> you made them count. So, yeah, I know. So they were, they were worthy of their time for sure. But, um, yeah, that was the distance that I always enjoyed racing and was kind of what I wanted to do in the sport of running. Um, I raced my first marathon in 2011. Um, that's actually a great story because <laughs> I was slate. It was, I was slated to, it was a local, just like long Island marathon, but I was actually slated to run the half marathon there and then race the full in Ottawa, which was like four or five weeks later after that, um, that was like kind of the race plan. And my husband who we were just engaged at the time. And he was like driving down from upstate and he's like, Oh, the weather looks so great for Sunday. And this is like Friday and Saturday. Cause it's just like a local race. You could like change your entry. Right. So he's like, I think you should just switch to the marathon and run the marathon on Sunday. And I was like, why not? Let's just do it. You know? So like literally like the day before the race or like within like 48 hours, I was like, okay, I'm going to go run a marathon instead of a half. Um, yeah. And that's, and then I qualified for the 2012 Olympic trials at that marathon. So wait, what was your time? Your time had to been pretty fast. It was 242. 242 first oh marathon and you had been training for half. Now the like Tremblant Coeur d'Alene swap makes perfect sense. Like, I that's know it's like, like the your... same scenario. Like, can I know we need to find you a race? half the same weekend as Kona and yeah. you pretend you're doing that one. And then be I like, know. switch. That's what I need. It would be so much more successful. I think for me. Right. Yeah. So yeah, it was like just a random fun, fun weekend though, for sure. So do you think you'll, 
I mean, I don't think you've run a, a standalone marathon recently, but do you think you'll, you'd ever try to add one in and, or, you know, see what you could do now? I don't know. The introduction of super shoes is kind of like made it a little less alluring for me, you know, like the way I think like, I don't know, we're just like old, the people I ran marathons with at that time, you know, we, we look back and we are grateful that we ran fast before super shoes, you know? Um, so I don't know. It's like a little less enticing now for some reason. For- do you race in the super shoes now? Yes, I do. Okay. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not going to like not use them, obviously. Uh-huh. I mean, it's, but I, I definitely think it's a huge, like a big advantage, you know? So, Wait, do you what, think that what is I, your, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, what is your standalone marathon PR? I should know this, but I don't have it in front of me. Uh, 234. Wow. Okay. So, you don't mm-hmm. want to see like, because you go sub 230 or something like that if you have the super shoes, some yeah, solid training. I don't know. I mean, I feel like I left Mary. I like, I shouldn't say I will never go back. I definitely might. It's way less time consuming than triathlon, right? For sure. So, but, and later in life maybe, but I think like when I left marathon, I thought I could get like a little more, but I like, maybe I could have gone under two thirty. but I was never running like a two twenty two or, you know, anything to be like in the mix at like a major or something like that. So I kind of left feeling like I, I finished fourth, like that LA marathon where I finished fourth at the U S championships was the last open marathon I did. And I was, I was like satisfied. I, I like caught the lead pack, like after like being out the back and, you know, I mean, so it's just, I feel like I, it wasn't so much about the result at the time, but kind of what I accomplished in those races, um, that was more rewarding and it gave me all I really needed out of that sport at the time. So which super shoes do you run in now? I've been using the Saucony ones. Hmm. Um, I don't even remember what they're called, but yeah, I don't know. And how, I mean, was it that, that race, I guess I, the timing lines up 2015 was that last standalone marathon 2016, you start doing triathlon. Like what was the allure of triathlon? It just, it just was like, okay, I feel good about my marathon career. I want a new challenge. Well, in like 2014, I was like injured in like the middle of that summer. And I, so I signed up for Ironman Lake Placid, actually. I was just like riding my road bike around the neighborhood and with a friend. And I was like, I'm going to race a triathlon. And he's like, you need to learn how to swim. (laughs) I was like, oh, okay. But I mean, it was the year that like, I think in 2014, like Lake Placid, Ironman Lake Placid had just happened. And they, it was like thunder and lightning. And I think people like how to like get out of the lake on like the side of the lake and everything. So it didn't fill up right away. Like it normally does. And so at the end of that week, I was like, well, it's still not full. I guess I'll sign up. So I just signed up for Lake Placid as like a way of, um, just making myself cross train because I kept getting injured running. And then actually, but I still wanted to qualify because that was in 2014. So I still wanted to qualify for the 2016 trials. So that's when I ran like that fall, I went, I was running way less than I ever had. Cause I started biking and like floundering around in the pool, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, that's when I, in that October, after I signed up in 2014, I ran the 234, my PR. And then I ran the LA marathon in the beginning of 2015. And then in the summer of 2015, then I did my first two triathlons. I did two halves in at Syracuse and Quasi in that June. And then I was supposed to race Placid in the summer, but I got hit by a car two weeks out and broke my clavicle in three pieces. So then I didn't race Ironman with Placid. Hence like the 
wanting to like have a good race and I'm in like Placid that I've never had. I feel like I've raced there a few times, but I, that's one that would be special to me to do well there. Um, but yeah, so then I didn't race Lake Placid, but I was like really satisfied at that point with what I had done running. And I started working with Jesse, um, Kroppelnucky at the end of 2015. And he was kind of like, if you want to do this, you have to like invest in this and like, no, like Olympic trials in like the beginning of 2016, like you need to learn how to swim. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, that's fine by me. You know, I was kind of like, fine. I felt like I'd been there in 2012. Like I wasn't going to get top three. So I was kind of okay. Just like going on to a new venture. So that's kind of how I ended up in triathlon and left running behind. Yeah. And getting hit, like it didn't, it didn't deter you. Like getting hit by a car. What did you say? Sorry. I didn't hear what you said. Yeah. I mean, yeah, sorry. Getting hit by a car only oh, yeah. two weeks before broken clavicle. Like, I mean, I feel like early in your career, that is hard. This is hard to come back from. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I know. I feel like more motivated than like I ever was because I never got to really do anything. You know, <laughs> I raced like twice and, um, like, I mean, they both were like pretty well, but still felt like, wow, if I, maybe if I like really invested myself into the sport, like I could do well with it. So yeah, that's how I ended up doing it. Jody, you've referenced a couple of times now, um, not having a background in swimming necessarily. Yeah. Right. So <laughs> I think a lot of our listeners would be interested to hear how have you approached like your, um, learning to swim and like building that fitness because you are, you're certainly, you know, you might not be coming out of the water with Haley, but you certainly are now a strong swimmer. Um, yeah, I think like the biggest thing is we've just worked on like one thing at a time. Right. You know, um, I think it's, there's so many things you can work on in swimming. So I think it's just partnering with whoever like you're working with, like whether it's a coach, like your triathlon coach or a coach at master swimming or whatnot, it's like finding like one thing to really focus on. Cause sometimes I think people pick out like, yeah, there's like a thousand things I'm doing wrong, <laughs> of course, but you can't fix a thousand things at once. It's like the most important thing. And you make that as good as you possibly can. And then you move on to the next one, but it's like, a long process. It doesn't happen overnight because fixing that one thing and like really ingraining it and learning it takes months. So yeah, I think it's just being really focused and intentional every time you get in the water and having that one thing that you're going to get better that day. Jody, I think there was a pre-race uh, video that came out recently that kind of teased you about your lack of social media presence. I think you, you recently <laughs> broke a 157 week dry spell on Instagram. So, um, you know, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Like I, I actually, you DM'd me after Coeur d'Alene and I was like, who is this? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, Oh, I don't follow her. But I was, I was like, it was one of those things I was kind of funny, but, um, but yeah, tell us about like, you know, the social media or lack of social media, how that fits in with your, your life. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm just so busy, like with work and everything. I just don't have time for it. Um, so it was a little, like a little unrewarding in some senses for me too, because I feel like the interactions I have with people like face-to-face -face are much more meaningful for me than, than what social media has been just, and I'm, I'm not saying that that's like, for some people, I think it's like very rewarding. Right. But, um, on my end, it just I've never really given back to me in that way. So I, I was like, fine to leave it for a really long time. Um, and then, yeah, I just, I think I, 
yeah, I went back on. I still don't know what I think about posting on there again. Um, I haven't posted anything since Lake Placid, so that might give you no. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I still, it just doesn't, I've yet to find a way to make it fulfilling for me. So I kind of avoid it. <laughs> and I enjoy, like, I enjoy what I do, like working with like the local youth team, doing the things I do at school. Like it's very like connecting and rewarding and gives back a lot to me. And that's kind of just where I'd rather spend my energy and working full time and racing. There's only so much energy left to spend. <laughs> do you feel like, um, you know, do you get any pushback from sponsors or anyone that would wishes you would post more? Well, I don't really have very many sponsors and I'm sure that's why, cause I won't, I, this past like few years, I'm very uninterested in signing a contract that has sponsor, that has like, like commitments for me to post on social media. I, I don't want to do it. I don't want that. I'm just not interested. That's not why I'm in the sport. I mean, I work a full-time job, so I, I'm here because I love the sport and I want to get the most out of myself. I enjoy each day of what I get to do. And if that means I have to buy things with my own money, I'm okay. <laughs> or I make can, a little less money from it. That's fine too. <laughs> yeah. I think, can you tell us a little bit more about your, your local tri community? You did mention your involvement with them. Can you tell us about what's so special about it? Yeah. I mean, I think like definitely the local youth kids, the lightning warriors kids are probably have definitely given me the most out of it for sure. And then I just like going to practices and working with them and they're just always willing to challenge themselves and become better. So it motivates me in turn when it's like my turn to show up at my own practices, shall we say, you know, and I, yeah. So I think that for sure has been really rewarding. And then seeing those kids race at the local races, getting to race with them at the local races. That was fun too. And does do they have like a kids racing series? I feel like that's probably pretty unique. I don't think there's many places that would have something like that for kids. Yeah, they have some like younger ones and a lot of the adult ones because of like the presence of the team on Long Island, they've like made like a youth kind of like category where mm -hmm. they can be on the younger side, like under 14 for some of them too but there are like several like youth ones that they can do and then once the kids get into I'm going to say once they're like 12 or 13 a lot of the adult ones they can sign up for too around here so wait what is this group called in case we have listeners who are in the Long Island area and want to get their kids involved with because yeah I mean, they're called like you'd be a great role model uh -huh. oh, sorry what, that again it's lightning warriors okay <laughs> So yeah, we got like, we have really, I don't even know how many kids are there now, but yeah, it's a great group and they're willing to help with all the equipment needs and those things that kind of that you need as well. Cause it can be a daunting sport to get started in for sure. Yeah. That's great to source that stuff for kids. Um, Jody, we are talking to you about 10 weeks out, I think right now from Kona. So huh. what is your plan? What are you focusing on in this build ahead? Yeah, so I am heading to the US Open this coming weekend. And then following that, it'll just kind of be me like hunkering down and getting in a good block of work here. I feel like we've had a nice little racing block for the past six weeks or so, really, like since the end of June to the beginning of August here. And then, yeah, it'll just be, I probably won't race once. 
I'll start school in the end of August. So once I get back to there, I, it's a little bit too much of an investment to like hit up a race on a weekend, um, like energy wise, just not enough time. So yeah, I'll just, uh, I don't know, put it in the day-to-day work. And what about doing Kona prep, uh, at home in long, you know, Long Island, New York, a little bit different than Hawaii. Um, do you do anything to kind of prep for, for the conditions in Hawaii? I mean, right now it's super hot. So, and I feel like it will hang on definitely till the end of August here. And it's actually like the heat and humidity are almost identical. I'm like, I think the sun is what the key factor that's like creates a different feel and heat in Kona for sure. Like we're definitely going to have the same feeling from the sun. Right. But, uh, like if you like Google most days, like the heat and humidity, it's very similar, like can be like upper eighties, like low nineties, but the humidity is cranking. Um, so yeah, I think in that respect, it, I found that it's just a matter of like hanging on to that adaptation for four weeks or so once it dissipates, like towards the beginning of September. Um, in the pat, like last year, I did a lot of sauna. Um, I'll be interested to see, like, since I haven't done a Kona build with David before, so I'm excited to see his thoughts on that and maybe it'll, maybe we'll change some things up and try something new. Jody, well, thank you so much for taking time to chat with us today and share a little bit of the insight into your qualification race in Coeur d'Alene and what's coming up for you as you head to the big island in October. We will be cheering for you this weekend at the PTO Open. I'll cheer for both you and Haley there. And then, yeah, we look forward to, um, I look forward to watching you both, I guess, race again in Kona. This will be, this will be excellent. Great. Thank you so much for having me. And I look forward to seeing you guys out in Hawaii. Thanks so much to Jody for taking time to come on. She's back at school teaching uh, in this lead up to Kona. So we wish her all the best in the prep and can't wait to see her uh, racing on the big island. And Alyssa, last week when we had Sarah Gross on to talk about the Watch the Women campaign, we hadn't seen the merch yet. And now the website is live. And uh, have you ordered a t-shirt yet? Haley, I did. I got the crawling our way to the top established 1982, I believe it says. So Julie Moss. tribute. Mm -hmm. I did that one too. (laughs) Tank or tea? tea? uh, Tank. I went tank. Tank too. Yeah. Yeah. Hawaii's Um, hot. We don't need any extra cut, any extra fabric. I know. I know. So you got the crawling one as well. I did. I ordered the crawling one too. I'm a huge Julie Moss fan and I just find that like so iconic, but all the t-shirts, it was a hard choice. And I think Ellen did an incredible job uh, designing them. And I so cannot good. wait to see them in person in Hawaii, everywhere. Oh, it's going to be great. Yes. So head to our show notes. We have the link to go check out and uh, order your own Watch the Women shirt and some other merch. I think uh, we will have maybe some pins and stickers in Kona. So make sure you find us. Well, not me. I'm probably not going to have any to give you. So make sure you find Sarah. <laughs> and Kelly on the big island because they will probably have anything that they have to give out. Um, but if you find me say hi anyway, and wear your shirt and we'll take a selfie. Perfect. Alyssa, keep recovering well and can't wait for the rehab update next week. I will talk to you soon. Bye Haley. You've been listening to the iron women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Feisty Media and is edited by Lydia Russell and produced by Ellen Atitian. Head to livefeisty.com to find more podcasts, stories, and fresh perspectives. 
Thanks for listening.